Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where all that the Catholic Church believes and teaches is served fresh daily. So come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzymski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the French Catholic Cafe here in Bourges, France, on the, on pilgrimage with the Order of Malta. We've had so many great shows, Robert. We have. You know, we have one today, Deacon. We're going to talk about something I don't think you could do. Could you be silent for thirty days? No, I could not. Trust well, me. You, <laughs> it also wouldn't be good for ratings. <laughs> no, no, it wouldn't. But uh... but I can't keep my mouth closed. Thank you for pointing that out to the <laughs> okay. entire world now. But but you're right. It's a it's an interesting concept. And you know, the first time I experienced it, we're talking about Ignatian spirituality a little bit. Right. And you don't have to do those for thirty days. We're no, I understand. Radio. We have a guy here who knows a little bit about that. That's right. Uh, and we have uh, Fra Richard Wolf. Fra Richard Wolf, you're a knight of justice. Yes. With the Order of Malta. You know, before we do anything else, what is a Knight of Justice? Well, a Knight of Justice is a religious brother in the Order of Malta uh, who takes the evangelical vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. Wow. And now, that's different than ordinary <clears throat> knights, right? And and. Well, no, that actually is an ordinary knight if you, if you go well, back okay, historically. But, uh, the, but, but you're a knight of Malta. That's right, but I, but I don't take vows of poverty, chastity, and obedience. The right. full members of the order yeah. um, take those vows and are therefore fully religious under, under church law, just like you know, they're fully religious brothers. Very good. And we've had uh, Fra Tom Mulligan on the show. Well, and the Grand Master. And the Grand Master, of course, as well. So we, 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 we have much experience now here with our, our Knights of Justice. Well, and, two. Okay, but that's a <laughs> Well, Fra Richard, we really appreciate you being here sure. today. And now, first of all, uh, about Ignatian spirituality, what is it that um, uh, drew your interest in, in this spirituality? Well, actually, I was first exposed to it as an undergraduate at Georgetown, obviously, okay. uh, Jesuit University. And, uh, in fact, I entered the Jesuits after I graduated Did from you? Georgetown. Yep. And uh, I spent if you stuck with it, you might have been a pope. I'm just yeah, saying. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I might have to be Argentine, though. Yeah, okay, you're right. Uh, but uh, I stayed through the novitiate uh-huh. and then left and went to graduate school at, at Columbia University. And, uh, but I never lost my uh, interest uh, in, the, uh, in Jesuits and Jesuit spirituality. And I think it served uh, as a, a strong basis for my decision to, uh, uh, to become a knight of justice Interesting. Uh, in the right. order. All right, so it's kind of part of your vocation story, I guess, then. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of, uh, of uh, value that uh, members of the Order of Malta can draw from Ignatian spirituality, and that uh, interested me very much, you know, uh, not only from my own personal experiences, but I think that they're uh, knowing more about uh, Ignatian spirituality I think uh, would be of uh, use to a lot of members of the Order. Awesome, but then also the folks who are listening... Uh, are probably wondering, now, wait a second, what is Ignatian spirituality? So we thought, now, not that I'm calling my, my listeners dummies, uh, but, you know, an Ignatian, Ignatian spirituality for dummies, some, let's start with a basic right. understanding of what Ignatian spirituality actually sort of speaks or helps us understand. Right. Well, I think the way to think about it is that, uh, uh, of course, uh, it's, uh, it's the product of St. Ignatius Loyola. Right. Who, is he uh, the founder of the Jesuits? The founder of the Jesuits, who was a nobleman and was a soldier. Uh, right. So, you know, the, the Jesuits have sort of a military uh, origins, much the way the Order of Malta does. Right. Uh, and uh, Ignatius, when he gathered his first followers together, 
created a uh, sort of a small book that he called The Spiritual Exercises. And uh, he wrote that book actually for lay people. I mean, uh, many people think it was written for like uh, Jesuits for and, and priests, but actually it was written for lay people. And it's, and it's really a way of uh, taking a person step by step through a very uh, sort of organized uh, a way to look at uh, your life and, and your relationship to uh, God in that context. You know, I've read a little bit about it, and I especially read about it. I happened to go to... Um, um, uh, the White House Retreat Center, which outside of St. Louis, Missouri, for someone, somebody got me and said, "Hey, you need to come on this retreat." Is it a five-day retreat? Ticket? No, it was. A, I think it was a four-day thing or a week. It was I a was weekender. Was it all thing. silent? Uh, yeah, you know. But then it was kind of like in that sort of modern culture where we kind of have to like make room for a little bit of talk after dinner or something. I knew you. It, it was an optional. Not talk no, for five I didn't days. talk. <laughs> yeah, really. I didn't. I didn't talk, uh, Robert. But I will say that uh, it was a, it was a neat experience. It was a, it was a nice dipping of my toe into Ignatian spirituality, um, and I found it to be really interesting in terms of like how to. You know, you start hearing phrases like uh, discernment of spirits and, and consolation and these kind of things and, and examinations or examines, and you, you start to think, well, this is a, a way of sort of searching the way, I guess, um, sort of like helping you develop a sense of direction in your life or a fulfillment or God's, uh, God speaking to you. And I think maybe that the folks who are listening who might want to know a little more about just yeah. how it's structured. Yeah, it's... Uh uh, structured along uh, a four-week period, right. and in each week you have a certain uh, a goal, uh, and it's sort of like a review of your life, uh, seeing where uh, you look back on your life and see all the the uh, reasons why you should be grateful and mm-hmm. thankful to God, and uh, and then was uh, that the first week? Sort of the first part of that, yeah, and then and then. Uh, once you reviewed your life and and you you've come to that realization, uh, you also look at your life in in areas that you've you've uh, you've uh, been uh, sort of uh, uh, short, shall we say? Right. And, and how right. does the silence help with that, Fra Richard? What is Ignatian? Why why does that have to be silent? It doesn't. I mean, the thirty day silent retreat is done actually. Uh, and I'm not an expert uh, on the Jesuits, but I have some experience. The thirty days. A silent retreat is done basically by Jesuits. I mean, and other religious. It's very rare that that individuals in modern society can get away for 30 days to do a silent retreat. The 30 day silent retreat is, for example, um, a part of the Jesuit novitiate, uh, and uh, before they do their their solemn vows, mm. I believe. So uh, uh, there are a lot of ways to do these stages in shorter periods. Uh, but then you're also, you're talking about a four-week process, so it's about 30 days or so, but do you, um, d- does it have to be done in the context of like a retreat center or someplace like that? You have to go well, there's somewhere? Well, some, there are some uh, uh, books uh, uh, that's written by Jesuits, actually, uh, that have this broken down into a week. You right. can do it in oh, okay. a week. You could uh, actually elongate it over a longer period of time and do a few minutes a day. There's a, there's some works on that. Well, for Richard, even with the Order of Malta, I had to do a five-day Ignatian retreat that was required of me. So, I mean, there are there are shorter than, I mean, there, there are times that a layperson could do, is that other than four weeks, right? If sure. 
Sure. But all of them would be kind of generally based on this, this yeah, concept you know, of what you're you, talking about. You describe it here the first week is about. Actually, if you think about the examine, you know, maybe a way to look at it is to think about the examine that it's part of the spiritual exercises because that kind of takes you through the steps that you, you go through in the, in the exercises themselves. Right. So, you know, I think one of the things, and, you know, if you, if you think about the examine, and uh, it's the reason why I think it's, it's so important for members of the Order of Malta, uh, this nation spirituality. Because when you think about the examine, the examine is meant to, uh, as an aid for people who are working in the world. What's the examine? The examine is uh, what Ignatius suggested to, his me- his, to both lay people and his men was that if they're going to be contemplatives in the world, which the Jesuits, that's the way he saw the Jesuits, and it's the way, in fact, uh, the Knights of Malta see themselves as monks in the world if you're in the first class, but contemplatives right. in the world if you're, uh, if you're uh, uh, any uh, level of knight uh, or dame uh, in the order. And um, part of that is if you're, if you're going to be in the world, you have to step back from the world uh, on a regular basis and examine uh, yourself, and that's that's the examine. And uh, for the Jesuits, uh, Ignatius suggested uh, at least twice a day for, for a period of time. Uh, I think what's realistic uh, for uh, busy professionals um, uh, like Knights and Dames of Malta is maybe one one. 15-minute session a day. But again, we have so many people who aren't Knights and Dames of Malta who are listening yeah, right well, now the, thinking, the, you know, this is, in, this is interesting, and we, we should. I mean, even in our Catholic theology, we talk about going to confession, right? And you do an examination of conscience. Now, there you're specifically looking for sins, s- sins right? But, but really, an examine, it's good for all of us to, at some point in time, to stop and take stock, right? Where are it, we? And what, are we what do we do is it serve God in this particular moment? Is that kind of the idea? Like, yeah. in, in my day, have I served the Lord, that kind of thing? Yeah, it's exactly right. You know, it, it starts by uh, the first step, which is, and again, it, it sort of follows the, the stream right. of the uh, of the exercises themselves, which is gratitude, recalling uh, anything from the day which you see as uh, owing special gratitude to God for. You just right. t- t- take a few minutes and what am look, I thankful look back for? on what your day. Good exactly. things have happened. What and, good things have happened. Right. And uh, and then uh, the second step is review where you recall the events of the day from start to finish. You notice where you felt God's presence, where you responded and accepted God's presence and his invitation, and, and the times that you turned away from it. Right. Uh, and those it, are, are those harder to detect in that examine? Are we always honest with ourselves when we... When we do that, or yeah, I think the short answer is no. We're not yeah. always honest. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to say that because I know that's a challenge for a lot of people. Because I, you know, talk to folks every once in a while, and they're always kind of thinking, "Well, I, you know, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't killed anybody today." And uh, but what you're talking about is like taking you, you got to take the time to do this. It's not something you do in three or four seconds, right? No, you no. need some kind of uh, yeah. You need at least contemplative space, minutes some kind of, or right? So. Yeah, yeah, you got to stop yeah. and just sort of yeah. take a breath and not have the TV or the radio on. Uh, unless this show is pray, playing, right, right, Robert? You want to yeah. just listen to Catholic Cafe? It's a good way to do your examine. Exactly <laughs> right. No, but you you, you gotta you gotta you have to be honest with yourself, yeah. Right, because that's the only way this is going to work yeah. is if you're honest with. Yourself. And it comes like anything; it comes with uh, practice. Ah. It comes by doing it, actually. Now, what's next after that? Uh, then next after that is sort of the sorrow point, you know, where you recall. The uh, any actions for which you were sorry. So after you've reviewed your life, you see what uh, the day I should say, 
although uh, that that little slip is meaningful right. because in the exercises, the 30-day retreat or the shorter uh, versions of that, you are reviewing your life. Yeah. Not just the day that we're talking about here right. in the exam. Right. But you don't do that every approach. day. You don't review your life. I mean, no, 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 no. Yeah. When, if you were doing the 30-day retreat. Right. Or right. if you were doing a, uh, an eight-day uh, Ignatian uh, retreat, a directed uh, retreat. But for the examine, uh, your review is of the day. Right. And I guess is that, Frau Richard, like I'll notice during the day, maybe I said something where I was a little short with my spouse or, or one of my coworkers or something, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Where, you know, I could have been a little bit kinder or I could have been a little bit more understanding or listened a little bit better. Sure. Th- that kind of thing. Oh, exactly right. Exactly. I mean, it isn't some, uh, some terrible thing that you've done. Most of us don't do terrible things every right. day. We do... A small little uh, make small little mistakes, but the important thing is to realize that as we as we do this exam and we're looking at for the, for these sort of sorry moments that that we've had, we have to realize that those little tiny bad things can turn into big things pretty quick if we don't examine and sort of bring them up and and think about them right. Sure, I think that's a good point. Yeah, yeah I'll I'll tell you what. Uh, another good point is we got to take a break real quick and and, and examine our conscience. We're going to examine our conscience <laughs> while we're gone, and and uh, uh, you'll be sorry if you don't come back. And uh, before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we have a great website www.thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email to Deacon Jeff at thecatholiccafe.com. And with that, we will be right back. I'm Bess Drzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. For someone new to the Catholic Church and the veneration of the saints, the invocation of St. Michael can be a bit of a surprise. After all, most of the saints were people living on the earth at one time. Indeed, the saints are those who died as martyrs to the faith or who have lived lives of heroic virtue. But St. Michael was never a human being. In fact, he is an angel, a messenger of God. Yet St. Michael is more than that. He is an archangel, one of only three who are named in Holy Scripture. St. Raphael, the companion and healer of Tobias. St. Gabriel, who announced the births of St. John the Baptist and of our Lord. And St. Michael, the commander of the heavenly hosts. In the Old Testament, St. Michael is mentioned twice in the book of Daniel, where he is called the Prince of the Jewish People. In the New Testament, he is mentioned once in the letter of Jude, a letter written to encourage the early Christians to contend for the true faith in the face of false teachers. In Jude, we find an allusion to the ancient Jewish tradition that St. Michael contended with Satan for the body of Moses. Finally, in the book of Revelation, St. Michael is featured as the commander of the heavenly host in the great and final battle against the dragon. Many older Catholics will remember that at one time, a special prayer to St. Michael was added to the end of Mass. Pope Leo XIII directed this prayer to be said as the result of the loss of the temporal sovereignty of the Holy See. In 1929, when Vatican City was created, the intention of these prayers was changed to that of the tranquility and freedom of the Russian people. Still today, many Catholics have maintained a strong devotion to St. Michael and to Pope Leo's prayer, 
they can still be heard reciting the prayer to St. Michael following the recitation of the rosary at any form of temptation or at the conclusion of the Tridentine Mass. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're talking to Frau Richard Wolf, who's a Knight of Justice with the Order of Malta. And we're sort of in the middle of our Ignatian journey here, Frau Richard. Uh, so what happens after we do the, the like the, the sorrows and the, the things that we and fall short in yeah. our examine or examination? So we were talking about gratitude, review, sorrow. And then the fourth area is, uh, is forgiveness, to ask God's forgiveness. You know, decide whether you want to reconcile, for example, with anyone you may have hurt during the, during oh, the okay. day. Oh, okay, yeah. So you put that forgiveness, and it's not just uh, forgiveness uh, of God for your mistakes, but you, we oftentimes forget that uh, when we've offended somebody, we have to ask them for right. uh, forgiveness and pardon as well. We kind of leave that piece out of it, but uh, I think the, the examine makes you think about that. Yeah. Think about the whole forgiveness part of it. And then uh, grace is the final uh, sort of stage of the exam. When you ask God for grace that you need for the next day and, and an ability to see God's presence more clearly the next day and as you go, as you go forward. So, uh, well, you know, it's great because I'm, I'm glad you don't end like on sorrow and, and, you know, whatnot because it sounds like you don't want to end on a sour note, right? Yeah. And we all have to remember that even though we fall short of the glory of God, right, that, we, that all of us are called uh, to be in his grace and, and that he came that our joy might be complete, right, that our life uh, would be uh, uh, complete with him. And so there's always got to be some kind of hope or happiness uh, that, we, that we seek um, at the end of this exam. And I guess that would be... Uh, something that helps us in uh, not only uh, mending our ways or figuring out what we've done wrong, but also sort of to bask in the glory of, of God's mercy in, yeah, and in if this you, process. That's absolutely right. And if you think about, uh, you know, people in working on, in normal jobs, day-to-day activities, right. uh, this isn't something that's really hard to incorporate into your life because you can, it takes about 15 minutes to do it well. And, uh, you know, you could do that at, uh, at lunchtime in your office. Just close the office door and take 15 right. minutes of your lunchtime and just sit there and think about this or take it at the end of the day for 15 minutes before dinner or even at the end of the day before you go to sleep. It's a, a way of an evening prayer or a night prayer. No, that sounds beautiful and, sound, and, and sounds very doable. I'm sure folks are listening thinking, well, I, it doesn't, you know, I don't have to memorize this long thing or do all these. Because uh, sometimes people are challenged with time, and we have all these things that are competing with, uh, with all of our time, right? And yet uh, this thing sounds like it might weave nicely into our, our daily experience of life. You know, another interesting thing, to, just the power of the exam, and uh, I'm the chairman of the board of a uh, Catholic high school in New Jersey, uh, Queen of Peace High School. And uh, we put the examine in. Uh, many Jesuit high schools do this oh, as well. 
uh, we sort of took it from the Jesuits, and we put the exam in at the end of the day. So the principal goes on the public address system five minutes before, ten minutes before the classes uh, are ended for the day, and he takes the students through this. He asks them to look back on the day and think about That's gratitude, neat. asks them to look back at the day, review the day, what are they sorry for, ask for forgiveness, and, and ask for the grace of God. Now, he does this short, very short. Uh, teachers are quiet. Students are quiet. And one day he asked me, because I was a big proponent of this, he asked me to come down to the school, uh, take a day off of work or leave early, and come down to school at around 3 o'clock and watch the dismissal. And they went through the exam, and the bell rang, and the kids walked out of the classroom, not a word, in silence. They walked into the hallway, and it took them about 30 seconds, a minute, before slowly they began to talk. Wow. And so you now, I've see never the, heard that before, Richard, yeah. coming out of a school, because usually when that bell rings, it's nuts yeah, at absolutely. that point, right? So obviously this is having an effect on them. Yeah, That's, I mean, that is we, quite beautiful. We, we thought it was, and we had parents comment on it, on it. All right, so now what we talk about next in terms of this, like you don't just do this every day or whatever, and that's, that's great. Do you do something with this? Does this call you into any kind of action or service or to be able to apply this in some way? Well, I think the spiritual exercises have a way of helping us make decisions in life. And yeah. Ignatius called this, uh, uh, this process discernment, and ah. you probably have heard the word. Uh, right. And he had a particular way of uh, looking at making decisions. And, you know, the first thing he did was to remind us that, that all the decisions we make, even the most important ones in life, such as marry, marriage or deciding a career or something, are not really ends in themselves. They're, they're merely a means for us to build and strengthen our relationship with God. Now, you know, think about that. Right. Because when we think about deciding whether to... to uh, marry a certain person, deciding whether we have a religious vocation or not. We think that's the end, the purpose of right. our decision making. And Ignatius is reminding us that that's no matter how important a decision is that we make in, in life, it's not the purpose. It's not the goal. The the it is a means for us to strengthen our relationship with God. So that so that marriage, the decision you make about marrying or or having a, uh, a vocation, a religious vocation, or living a single life, for right. example, uh, is a decision that you make in the context of of your goal, which is to strengthen your and build your relationship with God. So it's really just implying it's putting a big picture kind of thing into in, into your 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 prayer life and your and what you're doing, realizing that the decisions in your day to day life really have it's a big picture thing, right? I mean, right. you're trying to see the the big picture. One of the other things in discernment, one of the things that I, that I picked on, and the very little um, that I've had exposure to Ignatian spirituality, this concept of discernment of spirits is, is, or discernment is, is really powerful. Uh, and we, we should do more of that more often in our lives. So, so often we make decisions rashly, we, or we might be short-sighted and think about you know, finding the best one of these, the best school. Mm-hmm. Right, you just and it, but in discernment might say, well, you might not think this is the best school now, but this is where it's gonna, it's it's, a, it's got a bigger picture issue, and maybe that would affect what school you chose, or career path, or wife, uh, or spouse, or, or or whatever in your life. Yeah, not only did Ignatius, Ignatius ask us to keep a the bigger picture, the right. bigger issue in mind, but he also asked us when we we're making decisions to be indifferent 
and indifferent in the sense of not to approach decisions with with prejudices, with already right. already preformed uh, views, but really to try to get ourselves into a position where we are indifferent in a good sense of the word. Yeah, uh, and, and to most of our listeners, and to me, you got to say to try hard. Yeah, because <laughs> that's not hard. always easy to do, is it? To eliminate those emotional prejudices right. we might be attached to. Right. What he was trying to do is to get us to be more objective and to step and to back, step back and, and and approach the whole whatever the issue is in freedom. Yeah, that's yes. that's a brilliant point because that's the only way you're going to make a, a really rational and uh, I guess spiritually sound uh, decision exactly. at that point. Right. And then good. the third thing, leading up to actually the process of discernment, is he points out. That uh, discernment uh, is a prayerful process, so it's not just sitting down and and thinking about what you want to do. In, in, ah, it's a prayerful right. process. It's you have to engage in in a in a prayerful uh, way. Right. Uh, discernment, and it's also uh, a, about choosing between good options. He points out right away. Look, we're not talking about. Uh, choosing between a good option and an immoral option. We're talking, that should be self-evident. We're talking about choosing between a series of good options. Yeah. So th- those are the three things he asks you to think about when you're, when you're about to make a decision. And then some of the practical decision-making uh, ideas that he have. He would say that there are three types of decisions and choices that you have. One, you arrive at it in, in uh, unmistakably right away. It's right. quite obvious to you. You know what it is that uh, that you want to do. You feel consolation when you come right. with that. You feel at peace, basically. Right. And I think we all understand that when sure. we make a decision and we feel good about the decision mm-hmm. that, we, that we've made. And then he says the second type is the one that, that takes effort. And that's what you were talking about right. a few minutes ago. It, t- it takes a lot of effort to get to that point of consolation. But you can, you can get there. Work if you, out like, a you bit. can work it out. And then the third, and that's the most difficult, is we just can't decide, uh, seem to decide between uh, uh, two good choices. And there's no real, you know, moment where it just the light bulb goes off and right. we think, you know, we know that this is the, the, the right thing. So, you know, you're, those are the type of uh, choices I think people are normally in their day-to-day life con- confronted with. And they kind of fit into those, uh, those categories that Ignatius had. So often some of the problems that we have in the world really come from us not doing these kinds of things, not doing the examine, not uh, even stopping and really pondering where we are in life so that we know where we will be in eternal life, right? Mm -hmm. We just sometimes don't think about that uh, often enough. And that's really the core of uh, the spiritual exercises. It's to to bring you uh, to a point where you can make the best decisions about your life. Thank you so much for taking the time to just sort of enlighten us and just a little bit on Ignatian spirituality and how, how it can really bless, uh, to bless our lives. Thank you, Fra Richard, for being here with no, us. No, thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Tell you what, let's uh, ask Our Lady, as we always do here and in Lourdes. And St. Ignatius. And St. Ignatius to intercede on our behalf. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, women and, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And St. Ignatius, pray Pray for for us. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send an email to deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. 
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from J. Terry Stive, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe. There's always room for one more at our table.